0: Hello, bonsoir and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples and joining me this evening are Rich Allen and Peter Rutzler. A massive 35 goals went in across 10 games this week in Ligue 1. But before looking at what was an explosive weekend to say the least and your questions, here are the latest headlines. Wren made it four wins in their last four in all competitions on Friday evening, with a Jeremy Toulon own goal, sealing a 1-0 victory over Bordeaux. On Saturday, Paris Saint-Germain impressed without the suspended Neymar, with Edinson Cavani and Kylian Mbappé both scoring doubles in their 5-0 thrashing away to Angers. Monaco kept pace with a similarly impressive result with braces from an unlikely pair of Guido Carrillo and Adama Traore on the way to a dominating 6-0 win over Gangon. Elsewhere in the multiplex, Troyes punished a 10-man Strasbourg with a strong 3-0 win at home. Nantes put recent trouble behind them to defeat Toulouse 2-1 and Plucky Amiens equalised late fantastically. To draw one all away to Montpellier. On Sunday, it was Mario Balotelli in the headlines again for Nice as his penalty helped them finally earn a 1-0 win over Dijon, their first victory in their last seven outings. But the Italian was sent off in the final minutes. Never too far from that controversy is he, unfortunately. In a 4 o'clock doubleheader on Sunday, Marseille cruised past Caen with a 5-0 win thanks to two goals and an assist from Florian Tovan, while Lille finally won for the first time since their opening game of the season as Nicolas Pepe's double sank luckless Mets 3-0. And the weekend ended with a ferocious Rhone derby, with Lyon walking out of the Stade Geoffrey Guichard with a 5-0 drubbing. Nabil Fakir's celebration caused fans to breach the pitch, causing the final five minutes to be delayed for almost an hour. In international news, Didier Deschamps has recalled Anthony Martial for friendlies against Wales and Germany. Steven Nzonzi and Benjamin Pavard have also earned their first call-ups but Hugo Lloris misses out through injury. And that's all for the news. But remember, to stay up to date with your French football news, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with that fiery Rhone derby on Sunday evening where Lyon looked like a million bucks. But before that, there was a little bit of an incident, Nabio Fakir's celebration has stirred, it was certainly stirred spirits. And while we've seen it in the past, a la Messi and Ronaldo in recent classicos, are Rich, what do you make of the taunting celebration and the aftermath from the saint fans?
1: It's a real difficult one, this. It's a real difficult one. I've denied over it um, ever since last night's game. Per se, I have no problem with the celebration you know, itself. You look at the circumstances that Fekir is in, and certainly the last few years that he's gone through. Um, you know, this was another in, in what's proving a season of, of terrific performances from him. You know, he's captaining the side. Um, he just you know put the ice on the cake with the fifth goal uh, against their fiercest of fierce rivals. I mean, this is a really really. Fiery, as we've said numerous times, Derby. This is a, you know this is one where there's some you know, real hatred. I think here, um, so I can understand why why he, he celebrated as he did. Um, he'd been kicked around by Saint-Etienne players. was was um, very very fortunate from the Leo Lacroix red card not to come off with a far far more serious injury than he. Um, yeah, jeers from the the, the Etienne crowd all game. can see why he's done it. Um, I suppose what we can do is we sit here now with the beauty of hindsight and can say, actually, maybe an element of a little bit of control, a little bit of thinking about the actual situation, maybe that could have been exercised by Fekir. Um, I, you know, a couple of people, I know, um, a Genesio, I think, uh, while they were off the pitch, just sort of warned um, warned him that um, you know he has to remain humble, has to remain you know, elements of modesty with with how he plays. So uh, you know, again, I can see it from that angle as well. But I mean, f- one thing that we must do here is make sure that we're not in any way condoning what the Santetian fans did. Um, you know, there is no way we're, we're saying that Peke shouldn't be able to celebrate that because you know, fans are justified in entering the pitch and, you know, doing whatever they're going to do, go after the players or whatever. That, that's absolutely not what we're saying. But it's a, it's a real difficult one. You know, I think if, if fekir could look back and think, well, actually, you know what, if that was going to happen, I'm fairly certain he would say, yeah, I probably wouldn't do it. But we can't be as having to think, you know, I can't celebrate a goal, you know, especially as such high-profile instances of this celebration have gone before it so uh, it's a really very difficult one to balance because we don't want to see what we saw for now and 45 minutes last night with players in the tunnel fans not knowing really know what's going on and everyone just milling around (laughs) because everyone's a bit clueless we don't want to see that um uh, but similarly we don't want to see players holding back on celebrations that you know for for goals and, and results that mean a huge deal for them
0: yeah, I start to think I would hate to start to see that uh, sort of NFL issue that they have at the moment where any sort of elaborate celebration sort of gets punished, but they've, and they've relaxed that a little bit, but I would hate to see that in football because... But, Peter, the reaction from saint fans was to invade the pitch, and it feels a little bit strange to say that that's not highly... Um, Unanticipated, shall we say. I mean the we've already mentioned the celebrations in the classicos and obviously they, they caused anger, but not to this degree. Was that maybe a little bit underjudged by Fakir? Or are we saying that realistically we shouldn't be saying, Oh, it's France, it this is what can happen?
2: Yeah, and no, I've 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 been an eyeing over this and I am I've kind of come to the conclusion that he that there was really not that much wrong with what he did. I mean the at, at worst, I think we could probably call it unnecessary. Um, it was provocative, yes, but I mean, I, from my perspective, and how I see it, is that he can't be held responsible for the acts of the San Etienne fans making their way onto the field. Um, it's, the one comparison that I was thinking about was Emmanuel Adebayor when he did it uh, for Manchester City against Arsenal, I think that was 2009. Mm. And he's ran the length of the pitch to run to the Arsenal supporters. To make a very <laughs> provocative statement. I think it's not as serious as that. I mean, it's not to say there's not provocative, he knows exactly what he's doing by doing so. But does, in that instant, we didn't see Arsenal fans raiding the pitch. I mean, they, they weren't exactly happy about it. Um, but I don't think you can hold Fakir responsible for what uh, Saint Etienne supporters did. Uh, it shows a bit of passion. Um, it's a fierce competitive derby. I think the, the modesty comment from Genesio is, is a good one. Um, but I, and I would also pair that with what, De, what Deschamps said uh, about it as well, uh, where he said he's not a robot. So he's going to feel the emotions. Like, like Rich was saying, you have been kicked from pillar to post throughout the game. Very serious injury from the Lacroix tackle. Um, is it a bit of tongue in cheek? Yeah, I'd say it is that. I've, I mean, is it, is it meritable of a booking? Probably. But, you know, I, I, it's, it's not something that you think you should condemn him. You shouldn't, you know, you should maybe ban him or anything like that, that some have said. Um, do we, it's, yeah, I think the only thing you could say, I would call it unnecessary from Fakir, I think, as far as I would, would call it. Um, in the, on the basis of the climate of the game, I mean, it's, this isn't exactly the friendliest game. On, in the world. Um, you had what Leon fans holding up banners talking about incest before the game and then, you know, you've got after seven minutes, there's smoke uh, halting play because it's affecting the goal line technology due to flares. So the, a little bit of awareness may, have, you know, would have been ideal from Fakir, but, you know, from this, he's now come to a whole new level of um, fan adoration. Um, and for me, it's, it was more unnecessary than, Uh, something that should be, you know, we we shouldn't hold him to account fundamentally for what the supporters did. Um, Because, you know, he can't, the crowd isn't an unthinking mob that reacts to, you know, things like that. You know, people should know better. Um, Yeah, that's my standpoint. That's my take on it, in any case. It was a great game, though. Um, And I thought Fakir was absolutely outstanding. And he merited a celebration, um, like the one he gave.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I have, I have two final points really on, on this before we focus more on the game. And that's that when he does take his shirt off, he knows he's going to get a booking. But it's the fact that what makes me laugh about it is he takes off the captain's armband. It's so determined to do what he wants to do that he's, he's thrown that armband willy-nilly. He's not bothered about that anymore. He's taking the shirt off. It's premeditated in a way. And... I can see why Santetian fans would get incredibly annoyed and why they would probably try and jump the barriers. But that does not excuse them from any blame. They shouldn't have done. In fact, the flares in the in the second half, as Peter mentioned, that was irritating enough as it was after that red card we saw. And we'll come on to that in a little bit. But I do really like the banter from the <laughs> the, the, the Leon Club supporters shop, if you've not seen it already. Um, they've got Fakir's shirt on one of the mannequins, and the mannequin, instead of having it on usual he's holding it up um as he was uh like, like yesterday evening um so it's a it's a lovely lovely bit of uh of uh sportsmanship shall we say there and i'm pretty sure these love fans and lay uh players will be absolutely ready to head to leon and, and later on this season and try and get their revenge but rich let's turn our attention back to the the game at hand really in this one and we said that Rome Derby would be exciting, but we also said on the preview show that we were a little bit fearful that this would be uh, not just a coming-out party for for Leon, but a bit of a bad one for Santetti. And we'll come on to Oscar Garcia's men in a moment. But Leon are absolutely on fire at the moment, aren't they?
1: Uh, they are. They're they're a real joy to watch at the minute. Um, uh, there, there's a there's a good solid base to them now, um, which has allowed that front four. To really express themselves, you know, all four were on the score sheet last night. Um, at varying times, I mean, we've not—I don't think we've seen perhaps a game where all four have looked absolutely fantastic at the same time. And I think perhaps a few league and teams will be fearing when that day happens. But what we're seeing now is, on a regular basis, one, two, three of them performing very, very well. Um, and I think um, probably last uh, last night was as close as we've come to so far this season with all four firing on all cylinders because you know they looked very very dangerous going forward aided i think somewhat with some with some quite uh, uh, unsentient like defending shall we say um but that that front four depay um mariano fekir and traore you know they they're looking you know, really really gelling really well um what i'm liking is there's a there seems to be an understanding i think between everybody about You know, what their role is, where they're going, what they're doing, where the other players are, Um, and they're really starting to gel. Um, What what that's then allowing is you've then got the likes of of Luca Tusa, you've got Ndombele, uh, uh, and obviously Hussam Aouar, who had a a, a fantastic game last night. You know, you you sort of realise how young he is. I mean, if you can see the pass for, which goal was it? Uh, might it have been the Fekir last goal? Might have been. It might have been that one. But there's a pass in the build-up to the goal um, from our that it's just fantastic. Um, the vision that he's got. Um, you know, how many times have we spoken about a young Leon prodigy coming through their their system? But you know, he is another one, and he is one that everybody should be keeping a very close eye on. But by by that front four performing that they're doing it's allowing those players behind them slightly freer role you know they they know that they don't have to push forward they don't have to join in with every attack but they know similarly as well that that when they do they've got the players there who can finish the chances or can you know assist with with creating more you know further chances so Ginesio at the minute um you know I mentioned his comments earlier about um you know perhaps curbing Fekir's modesty shall we say um that's not actually adhered him very well to the to the Lyon fans, but I think if they can actually analyse what they what he's done to this squad, considering the the major changes it went through over the summer, you know he's he's done a he's done a really a plus job.
0: Mm, yeah, six wins in a row, three well four, sorry, clean sheets in all competitions in the last couple of games, which. It's pretty remarkable as well. And I do want to talk about, again, another player who impressed it. We've banged on him quite a bit myself and you Peter, so far this season. But Depay is starting to really get this team. Do you think that moment outside of the team uh, at sort of early October time has really given the uh, proverbial kick up the backside that he needed?
2: Yeah, no, definitely. And I think credit has to go to Genesio for that. Um, I think Rich touched on it. Um, we forget the extent to which Leon had such a high squad turnover this summer, the amount of players they lost, uh, gone along, to Liso, um, Lacazette. And these aren't uh, squad players we're talking about here. It's the core of the side. And they've replaced that team um, with f- four outstanding talents, it seems. And Depay, of course, was there before, but um, and Fakir as well. But In a whole new way, we, we've seen them. Um, obviously, Genesio's man management, of Fakir, giving him the captaincy. Um, Obviously, taking to a whole new level. And then, as you were saying, uh, Memphis Depay. Uh, and I do think leaving him out the side was was uh, was quite was very astute from um, from Genesio. Um, I still feel that he has a lot of work to do, especially defensively. Uh, but you can't argue with with his contributions at the moment. Um, he scored in his last two. I, take, I think that takes him to nine for the season and four assists as well, which is a good return, a healthy return, um, especially in a front four that are sharing the goals around a fair bit. Um, I'm going to throw it back at you, Nathan, because I know you're desperate to say something about Memphis Depay. Um, but yeah, no, I, I do feel that Genesio um, has done well with him. Uh, I'll be interested to see how he maintains it and if he can push on because he is known for his inconsistency. Um, so we'll be very interested to see how he carries on. But Nathan, your opinions on Depay now?
0: Yeah, I really like his changing attitude. I mentioned a, a couple of uh, a couple of weeks ago the win... The win against Troyes, where he scored the hat-trick, you could see in his mentality to get the goals, especially the third one where Mariano just essentially does what Mariano does, which is be incredibly greedy, which isn't a bad thing when you've scored nine goals this season. Um, and he ends up, the ball ends up falling at his feet and he scores his hat-trick. I mean, he just seems to have had a switch go off in his head and realise that, actually, I do need to work harder. I've not come to Leon team to be the man, as he thought he might have done when he left Manchester United, it's his turn now to be more part of a team that he's never really been at. It, I mean, at PSV, he was... Oh, oh, they they had Jorginho Wijnaldum as well, who was excellent, but he felt like he was the man there. He went and tried to fill big shoes at Manchester United and never really did it because of that kind of attitude. And and that maybe switching his mind seems to have changed things. And I thought he scored an excellent opening goal, really, to put it through Pierre-Gabriel's legs and that unsights ruffier so he can't position his feet so he can't dive as well for the goal I, I thought it was an excellent little finish and i thought it was excellent on the night and i do want to quickly mention the defense as well well i, I, I mean four clean sheets yes trois mets uh everton at the moment at least and Etienne are not big goal getters but it when we think that at the end of september they conceded three to dijon they conceded three to angers in the first um day of October as well, it's it's a good sign that they're starting to keep teams out a little bit more and pile on the goals at the same time. They've been really, really, really good in the last couple of weeks, and they might even challenge uh, Monaco at some point to that second place. But let's talk about their opponents now, Rich and Saint-Etienne. And, and we mentioned on the preview show before that it felt like the calm before the storm for Oscar Garcia. After a good start, they have slowed down and sort of fallen into their their old ways, but they really missed Loic Perran, didn't they? Really missed him. I mean, Lacroix was pitiful.
1: Um, They, they did. I mean, to start with, it, I mean, you looked at the, the starting 11 that was picked and it just screamed Gautier. Um, You know, the, the players that were picked, the formation that it looked, it, it, wasn't, a, it wasn't a starting 11 to me that said, we're coming up against our fierce rivals. We're at home and we want to go out and win. For me, it was very much a case of, well, you know, we've got a bit of a, you know, a couple of holes in the team. We've filled them with some, you know, half decent players. You know, let's perhaps see if we can come away from this with a draw. You know, it was a, it was almost a way team mentality. Um, not the, you know, not what you'd expect when you're playing your biggest rivals in front of your own in front of your own fans. So it was incredibly disappointing from Saint-Etienne. They absolutely miss Perrin, they missed the organization that he brings to that defensive line. Um, but they, they just offered so little. You know, they you know from the minute that um Hamuma miss miss um, miscued that corner, which led to the ultimately Leon's opening goal, they just seemed to give in. There was there was so little from them. Um you, you know, it's not a performance you'd expect, you know, the, 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 the circumstances, the 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 scenario that those players were in, um, and may, maybe it's because, you know, Oscar Garcia isn't, hasn't got, you know, familiarised himself with how big of a game this actually is for, well, certainly the fans, um, and, and maybe that's the case, maybe he just completely misjudged it, um, in which case then he certainly won't misjudge it again. Um but it, it was it was not good. It really wasn't good. Um, and yeah, as, we, as you you mentioned in the in the question, we've stopped. Well, early part of the season, we thought we'd seen some progress from the sort of galtier era. Um, you know, slightly more attractive style of play. Dare we say it, a bit more attacking. It, it seems that all of that work has been undone over the last few weeks. Um, we're back to the Santetian where who's watching them? They're stodgy they're so not creative it's just not it's not good to watch and what they're finding now is it you know what works under galtier that style of play doesn't seem to be at the minute working under garcia so he's really got to try and work out you know what was it that at the start of the season that he was doing that he's not doing now um yeah there's going to have to be i think some positive recruitment come january because they, they, you know, this is a this is a Galtier squad still, and it's somehow, over the last few weeks, gone sort of regressed, I suppose, from from what Galtier had. So there's big, big work to do, and this has to be this has to be the trigger for those kind of questions to be asked.
0: Yeah, one win in seven as well in all competitions for. Lever so far, and that one win coming against Mets, which isn't too hard to do at the moment, really, in all honesty, and, and not to try and shame uh, Mets too much. But very quickly, really, um, Peter, I, I do kind of want to pick on him because Léo Lacroix really had an awful game, really, in all honesty. And I'm, it might be a little bit harsh to pick on him being in, but also, it, I don't get the decision to leave out Florentine Pogba either. He comes on anyway after the sending off, so well, just before the sending-off, so it's not even a reaction to that. He's fit enough to be on the bench. They have an international break coming up that obviously he won't be a part of. It's probably Saint-Étienne's biggest game of the season. I can't well, I can't imagine a bigger game they'll have. The decision to play Lacroix over Pogba, even if he's half-fit, well, showed that it was a, an error in judgment, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, hindsight is a wonderful thing, I guess, but Lacroix was awful. Um, I don't think, um, I think without uh, Perrin in the side at the back they they lacked organization. Um, I think uh, Tiofelet-Catarain wasn't that good either, um, didn't exactly cover himself in glory alongside him. Um, the tackle on uh, Fakir was atrocious as well. Um, I mean it's one of the rare examples where we saw some kind of uh, passion from from what seemed to be a very lackluster sanity side um, but that if, it was absolutely ridiculous um, in an area of the field where you don't need to make those kind of challenges and you know not that i mean Leon had the game pretty much wrapped up after 25 minutes when they went 2-0 up you didn't really think that Sanitian could possibly muster two goals uh, when they can't score for love nor money at the moment at the same time you 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 shut the door on any hope of, of a comeback and Indeed, the the, the, uh, the floodgates duly opened after his sending off. Um, for me, the, the San Etienne just didn't look like they had a plan B. And I agree with Rich. I think they set up to play defensively and away performance behind the ball and try and hope that Hamuma, Bamba, and Monipaque would do something either on the break or on some kind of progressive move forward. But it just didn't happen. Obviously, Hamuma went off as well. Sutherland offered nothing, which was not part of the the way in which I think Garcia envisioned how they would set up. It just struck me that they didn't have an alternative plan other than to stifle Leon, And Leon in, in the good form that they are in, um, overwhelmed them. So, I think we can look at the back line, and we can look at the errors they've made, and we can criticise the quad, but I think, you know, it's all about ambition in games like this. I mean, the atmosphere before the match was sensational. You've got to want to go out there and take the game to them. I mean, that was one of the, the main praises we had for San Etienne at the start of the season was, the high press, as well as the possession game that Garcia was trying to instill. Um, We didn't see enough of that, and it cost them. Um, And Leon more than merited their their 5-0 scoreline in the end.
0: Yeah, I think you have to really worry when, if it wasn't for Stéphane Ruffier, this could have been 7 or 8 or something really, really silly in the Oscar Garcia needs to have a hard look at himself in this squad and get to January if they can and and retool because there is talent there and we've seen it at the start of the season. I still don't know why Diuici has been left on the bench so often and they're risking. Well, they're playing a sort of very safe pair of Pajot and Sellness in the middle. It doesn't make much sense to me either. Dabo was on the bench again at the weekend and didn't play. Maiga was in instead. I, I don't really get it. Uh, that like Rich said, it, it screams more of a. Uh, Galtier side than what we hoped to see under Garcia but uh, we'll wait and see if that will change after the international break at least but three sides that did impress this weekend and all the big teams really flexed their muscles really in what was a real glut of goals in a few games and we're going to start with Paris Saint-Germain who put five past Angers. Uh, Rich is this the kind of performance we expect from them right now with the talent level they have even without
1: Neymar? Um, absolutely, you know these these are the score lines that, you know, they for a neutral, for a neutral supporter of, of league and football, it, you know, they're, they're sometimes a little depressing. But ultimately, these are the performances that PSG have to be putting in. You know, if we're to take them seriously as this massive powerhouse, both on the domestic and the international scene, with such a huge financial advantage over over anybody in the league. Um, And the players at their disposal, yeah, of course they have to be putting in these kind of performances. We shouldn't be in a position where we're saying, oh, crikey, you know, PSG scored five this weekend. To me, that that should be on a pretty regular basis. Um, It was quite nice, I think, to see um, Mbappe sort of rediscovering a little bit of form, I think, the last few weeks. He's he's suffered and and perhaps form understandably so for a player so young and so inexperienced still, but his form had dropped off a little bit, um, coincided with a slight change in attitude. But um, maybe maybe the Neymar not being there was was a coincidence. Maybe Neymar not being there actually helped Mbappe. But um, you know it was a real positive performance from him, the, much more like the kind of performance that we're expecting to see from him. If you can see the um, the finish for the um, his first goal. Absolutely wonderful finish. Um, Cross came in, and as it came, sort of almost over his shoulder, first time on the volley, past the goalkeeper. You know, that's, that's utter instinct and utter talent, um, you know, that very few can possess. So it was great to see that, you know, Cavani um, on the score sheet again. You know, he's, he's, he is Mr. Reliable on the domestic scene, no matter how much we, we criticise the, the chances that he misses. You know, he's always going to bag at least one. Um, yeah, this this was, this was much more like it from PSG. That's not to say, however, though, that, you know, Angers were um, were were totally put to the sword. You know, they had two, three chan- really good chances um, to get on the score sheet, and I think it was only a... A combination of, of good goalkeeping and slightly wasteful finishing that prevented that being the case. But um, certainly going forward, this is much, much, much more like the PSG that we want to see. It, it still, you know, it was still a performance that just raises a few questions that Emery has to address in the in the January transfer window with regards to the defence. Um, but no, it was it was sort of business. What I would expect anyway from PSG is business as usual.
0: Yeah, and it raises some questions of how they'll they'll fit. All these three attacking players in because Mbappe had a much better game, but he was certainly much more central than he usually is. With uh Dani Alves playing slightly more of an advanced role, and and, and Pastore possibly sort of sliding into midfield with the uh, with Draxler. But there's a couple of players that I do want to pick out who had really excellent games, and, and one person especially who we've not really se- we've seen been solid, but he's not really shown as he did in the Champions League, especially last season, and that's Danny Alves. Um, Peter, he set up the first two goals with absolutely exquisite passes from sort of almost a central midfield position, and he, especially in attacking areas, was was fantastic.
2: Yeah, we I, we know of his talent, it's only been a matter of time, I think, before we've seen it. I think the the worry when when you bring in a player like Alves, who's done so much, been everywhere, that he sees PSG as sort of a, a retirement home in Liga. It's good to see him put in a performance of that caliber. Um, I think. Obviously, the, the, the difficult thing for Emery is he's got uh, Thomas Thomas Mounier, who has been in good form, um, who's <laughs> scoring goals, um, but also providing competition for Alves, and that I think has been also important to making sure that he retains uh, a high a high standard of himself. And you know, he's, he's one that has been one of the best uh, right backs in the world for some time, and I I don't think that goes away as quickly. Um, and he he showed it, he showed that I mean it was against Anje side who have struggled at home of late, um, but he did well. I think some of the other players that um probably will again will be more concerned with their performances. you, you look at Pastore uh, playing on the left, he's given the opportunity to start. Uh, I don't think he that suits him. it's definitely not his position. I think he's definitely a cent, a central player um Draxler again in the middle did get on the score sheet, a really well taken goal, but again, I don't think he's a central midfielder by any means, um, which is a, one of those key questions. I wonder if Pastore may be better suited to the middle instead of him in that position and put Draxler out wide. Um, but I, I thought Rabio did well as well in, in holding midfield. It seems like he's learning that position. I think he's come to the realization that he may have to learn that uh, with probably repeated absences of um, Thiago Motta, who won't be able to sustain his. his, his uh, himself this season with his age. So um, there are also a number of positives for PSG, I think, from that game. And I, I feel like they've reached sort of a, a cruise control. You know, they're purring at the moment. They, they seem to, they've finally found this plateau on which they're now just dismantling sides and they're building up gradually. And we're seeing that attacking potential. And, um, yeah, and I think that with players like Dani Alves in your side, he's such an asset with Mbappe because Mbappe's definitely not gonna stick with, on the right-hand side. Uh, he's a right-footed. He's a right-footed player who wants goals, and he's not an out-and-out winger. So that does give uh, Alves license to get forward, especially against a side like Angers, um, that you know he he can take full advantage of that, and he did.
0: Yeah, and I, I think you brought up a couple of good points there, Peter. I agree with Rabio. I thought he was excellent as well. He does really well in that defensive midfield role of still bringing the ball forward when he needs to, and and joining through the attacks, which is is really crucial, especially in the modern game with the. Two central midfielders, usually in a four-two-three-one, and I'm actually going to say that I'm really pleased with Emery playing Draxler in a more central role more recently. Usually as that four-two-three-one, really, but he played more in that. It's sort of a midfield three in this one, and I think he's much better centrally than he is out wide. I think he's much more effective. He has more control of the game. He's, he's, he he see much more of the field. He can play his passes. He can find those attacking areas and those little runs in behind, he, he's much, much better. I, I still can't believe so many teams try to play him out wide, like for Wolfsburg and they start at, at Paris Central, man. he's a much, much better player in that central area, as he showed at Schalke and for Germany in the past as well. Um, the team that put the most past anyone this weekend, though was Monaco with six past a, a gang upside. They've been a bit, a bit middling in all honesty this season, but Rich, this was a relatively, well, what some would say, an strength, Monaco side that, you know, there was no Falcao. Uh, if, with Guido Carrillo starting, that's possibly their third, if not fourth, central striker Adama Traore playing in that centre-attacking role. But both of those scored braces. So it's quite for Leonardo Jardim, for a change.
1: It is. I think on, on paper, this 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 could have been quite a tricky game. gang have proved over the last few seasons to be something approaching a bogey team for Monaco, especially at home. Um, but it was a very professional performance. Uh, you know, it was much more like the Monaco that we, we saw last season that were just relentless. You know, they weren't happy to be, uh, what were they, 4-0 up at halftime? They, they, you know, they maintained that pressure. They maintained that momentum. Um, I really like Curry. I, I really do. You know, he's not given many, many opportunities. But when he does, he always seems to score. Uh, And, you know, there's going to be people that can find this kind of stuff. He always seems to score braces as well. Um, You know, very often it's sort of the last 15 minutes, certainly last season, the last 15 minutes of a game, he was brought on and he'd get a quick fire double. He, He seems to be quite a reliable source of goals considering how irregular he plays. So, you know, pleased to see him continue that. Really, really pleased to see Adama Traore back and scoring. You know, he's had such a torrid time. Um, since moving to Monaco, uh, primarily because of injury. So to see him back, playing well, getting on the score sheet, you know, i really, really like to see that. And then, arguably, one of the performances of the weekend um, was from Almami um, um, You know, he's not, for some reason, he's not the first-choice right-back for Monaco. Um, for how much longer that will last, I don't know, because it was an absolutely fantastic performance from him um i think he got three assists in the game um which from right back's pretty good going um but he looked a constant menace down that right um you know he whenever you see him you just think he's not he doesn't look like a right back you know he's, he's quite a tall guy um you know seems more suited certainly in appearance to be uh, at center back but um he just it just works, you know. He re- he really really put in a, a, another excellent performance, and I don't think it can be too long before Jardine has to seriously start asking himself. You know, what, this this could be my guy to actually, um, to to really put Sidiby under serious serious pressure for that starting role at right back. Uh, big opportunity, I think, with Sidibe. um not not currently in the side. Um, and, you know, on the basis of, of um, Saturday's performance, he took that opportunity with flying colours.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I thought he was really, really excellent, to be fair. Um, and kudos to him in those those kind of roles where he's only getting in a couple of games here and there. I mean, City B is probably still the number one right back. He's really impressive. But there were a few really good performances, really. And, and one player that, again, stood out. He's got three and three appearances now so far. I know he's got two in this one, but... Adama Traore, Peter, he was the man really out in the cold for quite a bit through injuries and through different pieces and bits here. And while well, he's only getting a couple of little appearances now and again, he's, he's showing that bit of talent where when he was bought from, Lille, we, we always thought he kind of had.
2: Yeah, I mean, he hasn't had the easiest of times at, at Monaco. Um, but he's, he has impressed. And I mean, it's like with uh, Carrillo and, and, and Torre. And when you get these opportunities, you've, you've got to take them. And, and they did. Um, for Jardine, that, that's great because it, it shows that they've still got that strength and depth. Um, they've struggled in Europe, I mean, when we look at, at the, in the Champions League and, and how p- underwhelming they've been and that's almost being you know, well, clearly they, they haven't got the same strength and in, in depth that they've had before. But I don't think that's the case and I think that's what the, the results showed. Um, I think you could, you could make a very strong case, say so if they do fall into the Europa League, um, they could actually go quite a long way in, in that competition. Uh, it, it seemed as though in, in the Champions League, they were a bit, you know, rabbit in the headlights. A few players in starting positions early in the season, still adapting and adjusting to, to the changes. But um, I think Amami Torre is another one of those names you can throw in now as, as an option for Jardim. And, and that's the, the, the key thing for him. And, and it is good to see him doing well, um, especially um, it's nice to see him do so well when we expected so much from him when, when he, he joined from Lyon.
0: Absolutely, and it, like I say, it's, it's good to see these squad players really shine out and I just hope that Bochilio could get maybe a game if, or something like that just to get him a bit more fit because when he did have little appearances last season, he was excellent, but Carrillo as well, I've always been a little bit down on him, but in this game, he was fantastic and fair play to him. It must be really tough to see Falcao and Germain and and Mbappe in front of him last season, and now he's got Jovetic and Falcao still there, and and even a preference for Cai Balde to play centrally when uh, when those two are out. But it's good on him to get a good, a nice, good double and a great first goal as well. Um, finally, we move on to the other team that scored over five goal five exactly in Marseille against the Con side that have been pretty good this season, really. And I'll throw this one to you, Peter. Really, first, it's a pretty impressive result for Marseille, given that they. are Continuing that kind of momentum they built from uh, the draw against Paris Saint Germain.
2: Yeah, we, 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 we've made a habit of criticising Marseille, but at the moment they're doing quite well. Um, they're stringing together a number of good results. And I mean, in attacking positions against Col. And I mean, we're talking about a Con side who aren't um, struggling this season by any means. They've been very solid, um, they score scored a lot of goals, they've got a lot of attacking potential as well as their defensive solidity. Um, they seem to take them apart with relative ease, uh, I think, which is, re- which is quite surprising in that I've, you still get that feeling that they're a little bit disjointed. But that said, it seems that they have taken stuff from the PSG game and moved forward. And I think, above all else, uh, above anyone else, sorry, in that team, uh, Luis Gustavo for me is, looks a completely different player. I mean, at the start of the season, he was awful. He was off the pace, his passing was sloppy. Now he's, he's almost commanding games, and he's also scoring goals, which I didn't think was something that he had in, in his locker. Um, we saw the best of Florian Tovan again. He's been very consistent this season, and how important he has been for them in, in putting together uh, the run of form that they're now in, um, and keeping them very much in touch with the top four. It's such a, a, a stark turnaround, you know, from when they went to Monaco and were absolutely battered. Uh, it seems like there is there is an, a sense of stability there, that they are adjusting to to the changes. and You know, there is some quality in that side and it's, they have that sort of core of, of attacking um, play in, in Tovan, in the field you've got Gustavo and then at the back you've got Stev Donda and we can't underestimate his influence either. I mean, he was player of the month last month and it was very much deserved. His goal has been peppered. Um, one player who has Wholly underwhelmed is Costas Mitroglou, who could have had a hat-trick um, in that game, but somehow conspired to miss two glorious chances. And they'll definitely want more from him, especially when you've got Clinton and G on the bench, who've started the season really strongly. Um, Valé Germain has also fallen out of contention. Um, looking midfield, you've got Maxime Lopez, who hasn't had a look in. So there's there is, there's options there as well, um, which all bodes well for Rudy Garcia. And it, it's, the, the storm seems to have... Seems to have passed now. And uh, that PSG result was uh, key to that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And one uh, another player who's really impressed over the last couple of weeks, and don't check Marseille Twitter because they will crown him as the best player in Ligue 1 at the moment for some some strange reason. But Luis Gustavo, Rich, has been more than a defensive midfielder for them at the moment, hasn't he? He's sort of become an all-encompassing player that they kind of needed in the middle of the park.
1: Well he's almost become the sort of team inspiration when, when the sort of chips have been down, they've looked to him to sort of get the troops going again. And and I, I sort of tweeted soon after the game that, that for me, you know, Monseig so far this season seemed to be Mandonda, Gustavo, Tova. That's it. That's basically it. You know, it's with without those three, they, they you know, They'd be towards the foot of the table. they need they need the rest of the players to start contributing more. They can't rely, they can't go the whole season relying on a combination of those three players to dig them out of various holes because those three players have had to be fantastic because you know other players in that squad are not performing at the same or at, the, at the required level, I should say. But Gustavo, you know you look at the performance he put in against PSG. You look at the performance he put in against Khan at the weekend. You know, it's everything that you want from a, from a midfielder. That, that You know, that sort of deep-line midfielder. He provides that defence protection and, boy, at times do they need it. Um, but, as Pete was saying, he's, he's added goals to his game. You know, he's a threat going forward. Um, you know, it was another smart finish um, to go with his goal against PSG. Um, so... You know it's it's great to see from, from you know, from Marseille's perspective that's the kind of player that, that drives them forward that gives the whole team a real confidence boost that they've got a player who's who's going to take the game by the scruff of the neck and just run with it. Um and that's something that they've been crying out for for, for seem like quite a long time. And from that, you know, you can see that, that Tovan is prepared to step up. Yeah you know, is always going to be quite you know is a reliable presence but you know I think the Marvis game's improving and what I'm hoping is that that those kind of players who've got that little bit more experience or certainly experience at Marseille as well, with tobin has been there a few years now, is, is that that will rub off onto the rest of the squad. I think that's what Marseille are going to need, is slowly but surely I think most players are coming up to speed. You know, Rami is looking a little bit more like a, you know, semi-decent defender all of a sudden, you know, you've got Sakai who's never ever going to be anybody's like star right back, but he's is putting inside performances. And that's what this Marseille side is starting to do is there's, there's a lot of work that's needed to be doing, I think, to repair some quite fragile mindsets at that club. And I think what they're starting to do now is those base building blocks have started to be put in place. There's a lot of groundwork that you can see is being doing is being undertaken at Marseille. Um, and, and a player like Gustavo is, is certainly one that's leading the way.
0: Mm, yeah, absolutely. And it's good that they can bounce back really from uh, from their defeat in midweek as well and, and put that whole ever kicking incident as far behind them as possible. <laughs> but uh, next week, again, is the final international break, at least until the new year when they go again around March time. And it's... Time to focus really on positives for a change, and it's nice to see some new faces and some old ones that we've wanted to see return. Return. So let's have a look at a couple of those, and I'll I'll start with the the big headline one, at least in England, at least uh, Peter, and that's Anthony Marshall returned to the squad. Uh, what do you think to him uh, being back in the uh, the lineup?
2: It's an opportunity for him. Uh, I think he's deserved his call up. Um, Deschamps is very uh, consistent and um, Normally, with his with his options, and I think his hand has been forced a little bit. You know, there are a number of absentees, so you've got Thomas Lamar not there, Dembele, um, Pogba, Payet as well. Um, so the door is open for now for Martial, and he's got his opportunity. I can see why Deschamps hasn't really been fully convinced by by him, just the fact that he doesn't start every game for United. But what Martial has added is this. I think it's a steeliness to his game. That's how I'd probably describe it. Um, before, you'd have this player come on, he'd sulk a little bit. You know, you could see he's trying, but it's just, if he didn't come off, his head would drop. It seems like he's going out when he comes on for games. He does mainly come off the bench, but or when he does start, he wants to grab games by the scruff of the neck. He wants to take them to the opposition. He wants to show them, you know, I'm, I'm one of the best left-wingers, uh, well, if not in, fr- in, in, in the Premier League, in, in France. And maybe beyond that so I mean he scored seven goals already this season and not necessarily from starting position so does he deserve to be there? Absolutely um, and he's got to take this as an opportunity because he may not get many others especially with the attacking potential that France have got so now is your opportunity to get your head down and replicate that uh, solidity, that, that, that's, that sort of determination I think that he's now um, added to his games, you know, to impress Mourinho and to force his hand and say you can't keep leaving me out, you've got to keep playing me, I've got to be the first option from the bench, I've got to be an option for starting games, um, I'm a match winner in big games, You know, the goal against Spurs. So that, that, that merits inclusion and I think this is a really good opportunity for him to take that form, to take that mentality and, and throw it at Deschamps and say look I've, I can offer you this as well. So it's a good opportunity for him. Uh, but it's one I feel he'll need to to really impress him because of those absentees who I think will go straight back in ahead of him.
0: Mm, yeah, I, I do have a slight bias, but um, it is nice to see him back in the squad, especially, like I say, I think he's an excellent option off the bench for for France as well. He, he's shown that for Manchester United, even though he's not starting a whole of games, although he, he tends to be a regular in the Champions League. it's It shows that he can be a different option of, off the bench and be motivated by that as well. Um, but there's a couple of new boys in the squad that have never been called up before, and that's Stephen and Zonzi and Benjamin Pavar, uh, Rich. How do you think it's those two call ups? I mean, they needed a little bit of extra maybe in midfield, but doesn't Zonzi deserve a place over Bakayoko? And I know you've you've seen the Les Espoirs a few times and Pavar's a regular starter for them. They need a right back. Is he maybe an answer?
1: Um its so uh, well, certainly with pavard, he, he's worth a go, because my goodness, do they need a right back? <laughs> they really do. Um, and they need one for the long term as well, because christophe Jala is 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 rarely a positive answer. <laughs> but he's certainly not the answer to uh, future right back um, for France. Um, he's worth a go. as uh, you know Deschamp pointed out in the press conference when the squad was announced. He's performed well in Germany. Um, he's performed well for the under 21s. Um, you know, as youngsters go, he's he's you know, a relatively safe pair of hands. So he's worth he's worth a shot, absolutely. Um ultimately this is this is what we want from Deschamps, I think, for quite a while when it's come to the friendlies, is you know, try things out. You know, you're less than a year out now from a World Cup. These are the games now you really need to be trying a few little bits out. Uh, before we enter the calendar year of the World Cup. So absolutely it was the right time to give Pavard a go. Um, yeah, circumstances probably dictated that Pavard comes in perhaps ahead of where he you know ahead of time as to where he might have been called up, but he's absolutely worth a shot. Um, yeah, really pleased to see uh you know Deschamps you know rewarding um some of those under 21 players. Uh, and Zonzi I, I can't overly comment on how well he's been performing um, in in Spain, but by all accounts, he's performed very, very well. Um, similarly, though, you know, I'm, I'm always going to be slightly biased towards Bakayoko. Um, it, it seems that he's been pretty good for Chelsea without necessarily being consistently great. Uh, maybe still finding his feet in the Premier League. Um, maybe still having that... Was it the friendly against Spain, I think, that he played and conceded the penalty and or contributed to the conceding of the penalty and wasn't great in his cameo in that game. Maybe that's still hanging over him. Deschamps is is you know quite well known, I think, for you know, keeping that in in, in mind, those kind of performances. So I think Bakioka can count himself a little bit unlucky, but it's you know, again, it's great to see somebody new being given an opportunity. Um, you know, and Zonzi's been mentioned for months now, if not you know, last couple of years, so it's great to see players who've not previously been given opportunity, been rewarded for playing well domestically. So, you know, for me, that they they can only be seen as positive picks.
0: Yeah, it's good to see them try something different. I know there was a lot of calls for Nzonzi last season. His performances for Sevilla were really, really excellent. He's quite down a little bit this season, but but he's been impressing and um, Pavar has been pretty good from what I've seen at least in Stuttgart and uh, with France need right backs <laughs> desperately they, they they need to find someone from somewhere um maybe Almami Torre might be the next one they throw in the in the fire but just a very quick word up from both of you really I mean we are starting to ramp up towards the World Cup really now that's the focus and there's a big gap between now and the next call-up, like I say, the next international call-ups around March time. So there's a big gap between when players can impress. But for a lot of these players, this is their last chance for for a long while to really put a marker in Deschamps in training and and in these games. Is there anyone, Peter, I'll start with you, that you can pick out really from this squad um, that maybe should be looking over their shoulder if if they don't pick things up? I'm thinking I'm looking at players like Matuidi, who's not... Starting every game for Juventus, uh, Sissoko, who's been relatively decent for Tottenham so far this season, but is is in and out. Um, I'm looking at players like Giroud, who's not always starting for Arsenal, maybe even Lacazette for the same reason. They sort of seem to switch between the two or play neither. Is there any other names that well, any of those names or any other names that you feel like need to have a have a good week?
2: Yeah, you've you've uh, you've picked them out there. The ones who should be. Uh... <laughs> Thinking about um, competition, I definitely agree with um, Giroud and, um, and and Lacazette. The problem with that is that Giroud is perennially picked regardless of what he does. So less so, but Lacazette is definitely vulnerable, especially in terms of his, his starting position. He hasn't been that bad for Arsenal. I mean, Arsenal have been Arsenal. So um, whether that will affect him and his standing is, you know, that could have a deep impact because Deschamps has not always been so keen on Lacazette. Hasn't, all, hasn't impressed in these in appearances, so I think Lacazette is certainly one who will be wary of his, his position. Um, elsewhere, uh, I think in midfield it's, it's very competitive. Um, I, I think there are a number of absentees who come straight back in, so Pogba and, and Kante, so when you look at players like Nzonzi coming in, it's almost to say what can you offer that's different. What, what, what's, what can you offer that gives me an option? And that's what Deschamps is all about. He wants multiple options um, to give. And I think of the two new guys, Pavard's got the better chance of uh, really making a claim. Uh, in goal, obviously, there's no Lloris. So maybe... Lloris is just un- unmovable, isn't he? So, But there's an opportunity to start. I think Fakir will want to really impress. Um, he may get his opportunity. And in, in recent times, been he's not as flexible in terms of position. So Deschamps will say, well, I can't use him in this position. I've got people who can play in, in, in midfield. So if he wants to really impress, he's got to do it now. Um, his form means Deschamps can't overlook him, but that doesn't mean he'll select him. Um, I think one of the questions in the, in the press conference with Deschamps was about whether he can challenge Griezmann. Uh, and I don't think he can, even though Griezmann has been out of format at Atletico. Um, but yeah, there are, there are a few names who will be considered. But there we... I think that some players outside of the quad will be wary as well, like, like Payet, whose form has been poor. But again, he's another name that Deschamps will always fall back to. So, but yeah, no, I, I agree with the, the names you pulled out there are really nice and you, you nailed it pretty much.
0: Rich, who, who do you think needs, needs a good week?
1: Um, I, I think you're probably looking at, aside from those that you'd mentioned already, I think you're probably looking at... Um, you know, Marseille is going to, need, going to need to impress. You know, you look at that attacking group that's been selected um, and, you know, there's some, there's some big names missing there You know that, that, are, that will be expected to come back in. I mean, I the two big ones that certainly I think once they're fully fit and on form that will we'll be back into that squad of Lamar and Dembele. Um you know Pae will, will always be there. I don't think he should be, because I think he's not been great now for probably over a year. Um but he yeah, as, as Pia said, he will be that he will be there or thereabouts. So you've got potentially three players there to come back into that attacking group. And you look at that attacking group and you think, okay, so there's three potentially three players, certainly two I would say, that are going to miss out. Well you look at you know Griezmann Tovan, Coman, Giroud, they're they're probably pretty close to being certainties. You've then got Fekir, who's been recently brought back into the squad, who's got to impress. Martial, who's only just been brought back into the squad, who's got to impress. Lacazette's gonna take whatever gonna have to take whatever opportunity comes his way. Um oh, sorry, Mbappe. Mbappe of course is a is gonna be a, a certainty as well. So there's there's going to be those players in that squad uh, and it's going to be the likes of Marciac. It's going to be the likes of Fekir and the likes of Lacazette who are going to think, you know, one bad performance in a friendly game, or if I, if Deschamps gives me the not so, not so subtle hint of not even playing me or not giving me the opportunity in these friendly games, they're going to have to think, you know, my world cup spots at jeopardy here because there's certainly two top, top class players who almost certainly gonna waltz back into that um into that um that squad. So for me though it's those kind of players I think. Those kind of players who are almost filling the void um for those that are currently out that, that are going to be the most nervous.
2: Can I chip in quickly before we move off move off France? Because um one name that I'm I've noticed we we talked about him before, but Imeric Laporte is continually being overlooked. And I mean for this squad it's I know Deschamps is all about balance and Pavar is being is brought in as a as a fullback, but he's still got option to the option to play for Spain, and he is a very very good defender. And I think France might be at risk of losing him. And I think this this sort of break at this point so far in advance would have been good to have tried potentially bringing him in and giving him the opportunity to impress. So I was very surprised that Deschamps didn't take that, um, because if they lose him to Spain, I, you know that could be a huge loss. He's perennially linked with the likes of Barcelona and Manchester City last summer. So uh, just to throw that in before before discussion. It's, an,
1: it's, an it's an interesting one, I think, Laporte, because you know he's been decent for the under twenty ones. He's been very good in Spain. Um, the problem is, I suppose, is who do you who do you drop from the four centre backs that he's got? Um, you know, they're they're very good centre backs that he's picked. Um, there's a huge crop of of very talented. Young centre backs coming through the ranks at various youth levels. Um, I, I, I personally think Laporte's just going to be just a very, 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 very unlucky in the timing that he's he's come about. Um, and to be honest, I, I'm bracing myself that I think I think they will lose him to to Spain because if he's not picked in these friendlies, you know, even if you know, they're friendly games, so he can play, but he's still then eligible for eligible for for Spain, it's ultimately the World Cup games now that you've got to focus on if they're going to nail him down as a French international. If he's not picked for these games, I don't know how you can then, unless there's a severe raft of injuries, Mm. I don't know how you can justify bringing him into the World Cup squad.
0: Yeah, and, and and I would have just very quickly mention that the Bill Bow have been pretty awful so far this season. That's maybe also hurting him as well. Even if it's not necessarily completely his fault, it never should be in a in a team game. But it, when your club's not doing particularly well, in fact, they they've been playing some awful football at times this season, which is strange to say for what can be quite an attractive team. But they they've not been very good at all so far this season, which might be holding him back, really. Um, we'll finish this week with our Liga snapshots. I, I apologise that we won't get many questions in, really. We've already pushing for ourselves for time a little bit this week. Uh, so I'll
1: start with you, Rich. Um, What's your Liga snapshot? snapshot? Um, two very quick ones from me. Um, two goalkeepers. Um, one was the performance of Mike Magnon for Lille uh, against Mets, especially the first 45 minutes where... He was his goal was absolutely peppered by by Metz's attack and he blocked everything that came his way uh it was absolutely the bedrock for their eventual three 0 win and arguably was a, a a 45 minutes performance which potentially could have saved bielsa's job maybe um and the other one was just a, a pure unadulterated bias shout out that um it's it's quite nice to see after the sort of the, the troubles that Wren have gone through in early season, that um, the current holder of the the longest uh, clean sheet currently um, this season is is Thomas Kuback, and he's three games now, uh, or over three games without conceding. So perhaps a little bit of stability finally arriving at Wren. Peter?
2: Yeah, mine's looking at the other end of the field and just looking at the Leading strikers for the big clubs, who's doing it, who isn't, and it, it comes off the back of Cavani's 100th goal in the league, which is, a, is an achievement that shouldn't really be sniffed at. Um, Marad Diaz, of course, at Lyon is still scoring goals, um, which is an impressive thing in that front four. Um, consistently finding the net. Um, the likes of Falcao, of course, who's been absent, who's also been ruthless, and how important those players have been to the top three. Um, other end of the scale, you look at the likes of Depreville, who has really struggled since his move from Lille. Um, Troglu's coming at Marseille and it's absolutely uh, expletive and finally Mario Balotelli to round off Mario, Mario Balotelli being Balotelli scoring goals still consistent with his goals and, and also uh, bringing in the red cards although I do think it was a really harsh red card this weekend uh, for the Italian
0: yeah I think we all I remember seeing Rich on Twitter saying the same it's a really harsh red card and he played pretty well in that game as well he had another chance where Gilabodji did really well to get himself back into it, where he sort of chested it round him, and it's a bit of a shame that a decent performance again is, is heralded because the referee can't keep How 11
2: finish In a nice side that has really underperformed, and they've actually become relatively reliant on him.
0: Mm. Um, Which you would have never guessed a couple of weeks ago, I would have said. Um, I want to finish with what should have finished, well, what finished the montpellier end game? I mean, slightly under the radar game let's say that the fact that there wasn't many Montpellier fans in the stands either but they go a goal behind but Danilo Avila scores one of the best goals you'll see this season he won't score a better goal in his career I can absolutely guarantee that he's been around Germany and, and Italy in the past but he scores an Absolutely wonderful goal. It's it's a dream. You, you it's the kind of goal that when you go to sleep and imagine that you're going to score the goal in the FA Cup final. It's that kind of goal. It's an absolute wonder strike. He's he's got his back to goal initially as it comes out from a sort of a a, a free kick. It's headed back away. He's facing the wrong way and he almost tries to hook the ball back in sort of a scissor kick fashion and it floats wonderfully into the top corner. It's an absolutely wonderful goal. Um, if you've not seen it, do seek it out. It is absolutely worth the price of admission. Um, he couldn't quite believe he'd scored it from the looks of the celebrations, really, but an absolute wonderful goal. You, uh, does it does it beat the Fakir one from earlier this season? It's not far, you know. The technique in it is ridiculous. Honestly, please, if you, if you all are listening... Do seek it out. It's an absolutely stupendous goal. Um, What a perfect way to finish because that's all we have time for this week. My thanks to Rich, Peter and all of you listening at home. Uh, There'll be no preview show on Thursday due to the international break, but the main show will be back at the same time, same place next week. A and goodbye.